So we're gonna be calling Shannon Hyde. Downey, oh, this is your team. <laughs> please meet us at Cherry Queen. We miss you, Downey. Please. My name is Shannon Hyde, and I'm running to be your junior class president. One, my name is Shannon Hyde. I am the host of the Shannon Show podcast, and today we have a very exciting special podcast episode for everyone. It's essentially Dodea's 75th birthday party, I would like to say, and I'm co-hosting with Dr. Cersei Olson Wesner. Well, and I'm Dr. Wessner, just Searcy. I'm the director of the Museum of the American Military Family in Harris. And Shannon and I are so pleased to co-host this uh, podcast. It is the 75th anniversary of Dodia. And we've got an exceptionally interesting group today. And we're going to talk a little bit about our Schooling with Uncle Sam book. So. We really we have a great show planned for everyone. Exactly, uh, we're joined first and foremost by Director of Dodia, Mr. 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 Brady here today, which is very exciting. Uh, welcome to the show, as well as Mr. Franco Guerra, former Communications Chief of Dodia, and Dr. Alan Olson. Sorry about that. Who edited the anthology as well? Uh, we also have some current and former students and teachers who are joining the episode here today. So I'm really excited just to get to everyone and hear some great memories about Dodea. Well, welcome, you guys. So October 14th marks the 75th anniversary of Dodia, and we'd like Mr. Brady to tell us how Dodia is celebrating this milestone. Well, thank you very much, Cersei, and it's a pleasure to be here, and I thank you for the invitation. Um, we have been um, uh, so excited about our 75th anniversary uh, to commemorate the men and women who, uh, who did the troop ships over to um, Germany, uh, Austria, and the Pacific back in 1946. We've been featuring um, a number of uh, videos on our website, uh, our stories uh, we've been sharing with the teachers and uh, in each one of the schools we have, uh, we'll cover uh, lessons uh, to, to, to remind today's students about the great sacrifices and the great accomplishments that, uh, that began with this, uh, our organization 75 years ago. It sounds cool. Lots of stuff going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I think this is now a great opportunity to share some stories from Dodea from some of our former students here. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter which order we go in. I'm not sure if Mr. Art Harris would like to go first, share a story about his time in Dodea. Yes, I would. Hey, hello, everybody. I'm Arthur Harris. I am a recently retired Air Force, and I am a Air Force, former Air Force military brat. Um, most of the schools I've been to, all, all the elementary schools are, are countless. I, I really can't remember them that much. But uh, going to Europe, uh, I was in Belgium in eighth grade and uh, high school the first three months of my ninth grade year at Shape Headquarters. And then the rest of my high school year, I was in England. And, uh, and, I, and I also did a little bit of college in Germany. Uh, University of Maryland, Augsburg campus. So uh, that experience has 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 a. Uh, I'm sorry. It has taught me to appreciate all cultures around. Um, I love meeting new people, uh, seeing how they tick, why they do what they do. Um, I remember the different foods, um, all the different classes that I took. Um, I just appreciate everything that uh, that uh, I I had experienced in my years, and um, that's pretty much most I can add so far. Any mm -hmm. questions? 
(laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. I think that's something that every Dodea student can take away from their experiences. That's just, I mean, it's a great summary and that's, that's really cool stuff. Uh, Miss Ernst, I'm not sure if you would like to share next. I would. Yes. My name is Carol and I was an army brat. And in 1947, I was five and a half years old, and uh, we moved to Osaka, Japan. In first grade, I was uh, attending Osaka American School, and I rode the train to school with an MP escort. In second grade, I rode in our Jeep with my mom, who was the school nurse. We lived on the economy, and all our neighbors were Japanese, so I learned to speak Japanese. Our school had grades one through 12, and my favorite teacher was the art teacher, which we had art once a month. In 1954, I was in seventh grade and my father was transferred to Salzburg, Austria. They said our school had once been Hitler's stables. My teachers were Tom Gallagher for seventh grade and Robert Patillo for eighth grade. Our eighth grade class had ballroom dancing lessons in a beautiful building that looked like a small palace and was near the school. There was a very ornate ballroom in the palace and we held our eighth grade graduation dance there. By April of that year, my father was transferred to Vienna. There was no eighth grade class there, however, so I stayed in Salzburg and lived with my best friend, Judy Rice and her family until the end of the school year. In the summer after eighth grade, which was 1955, Austria became independent and all the occupying forces had to leave. My dad was reassigned to Bad Kreuznach, Germany. Bad Kreuznach didn't have enough high school students to support a high school, so we all became five-day dorm students at Kaiserslautern High School. On Sunday afternoons, we students would assemble in a specific place, get on the bus with our books and our suitcase, and ride for two hours to Kaiserslautern High School dorm. We had a team club, which was our space to hang out and socialize. The boys' dorm was on one side of the team club, and the girls' dorm was on the other side. Each room had bunk beds and two desks with showers and restrooms down the hall. We ate our meals in the high school cafeteria. The cooks and the servers were German and worked hard to please us. We had study hall after dinner. The high school was close by and very new and modern. It was completed in 1954 and included science labs, a home ec room, a large industrial arts section, an auditorium and a gym. I had some great teachers there. One of my favorites was Mr. Sam Martin who taught English. On Friday afternoons when the school day was over it, the five day dorm students boarded the bus with our books and our laundry for the return trip to to, uh, Bad Kreuznach. The weekends always went by quickly. I remember spending my Saturdays washing my clothes by hand to get ready for the next week. We didn't have a washing machine at the time. All in all, my school experiences in uh, Dodds were very good. I really liked living in Germany, so much so that 14 years later, I returned as a teacher I taught in Eder Oberstein for two years and at Rhine Mine for five. It was a wonderful experience. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. That's fantastic. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> ballroom dancing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Panslow. Um, so my name is Tom Panslow. 
Uh, I was hired in uh, 1984 um, as a school nurse. And I was informed at that time that I was the first male school nurse um, in the Pacific uh, region. I ended up at Yakota East Elementary School, which is now Joan Mendel Elementary School. And I don't know if you know anything about Joan Mendel, but she was really a dynamic person. She was a third grade teacher there. So I took my family. We had two little boys. We ended up in at Yakota, like I said. My one son, John, uh, was not a year old. He celebrated his first birthday in Japan. And we lived off base. Um, and the neighbors sort of took us in. The Japanese are very friendly people. And one of the ladies in the neighborhood who taught English at the local Japanese high school organized a birthday party for my son. So he had his first birthday party with um, lots of Japanese kids who couldn't speak English and he couldn't speak <laughs> Japanese, but it was a great time. <laughs> so that's one story. Um, when we moved to Germany in 1988, John was then... Um, three or four, four years old. And we were at the billet there at, at Wielflecken, which is in Northern Bavaria. And he came up to me one day and he said, Daddy, when are we gonna go home? And I said, John, where's our home? And he said, Yokota. So <laughs> that was his first consciousness of being in a place with a family, I think. So Yokota is pretty much imprinted on, on his mind. Uh, so that's one story about uh, John. Uh, I was hired as a school nurse, like I said, but I also was hired as a health educator. And I served in eight different schools. And I went to all regions, the Pacific, the Med, Europe, and uh, even Guantanamo at W.T. Sampson schools, which is the oldest overseas Dodd school, by the way. <clears throat> um, so I was, uh, sometimes I was also given dual positions. I would sometimes be the school nurse and also the health educator. So at Torahone High School, I was there for a couple of years just before it closed down. I was the uh, health educator for seventh graders and also for the seniors. Uh, and I would have to get a student to sort of cover my office for me when I was in the classroom. Uh, because when people want the nurse, they want the nurse right now, usually. Wow. So, so I had dual assignments in, in a lot of schools that way. Um, <laughs> I, after, let's see, after Germany, we went to Spain, Torajon, then we went to the Azores. When Torajon closed, most of the teachers at Torajon High School were transferred. They got their PCS orders, which I find sort of uh, interesting term, permanent change of station, which was never permanent. So anyway, they moved all of the teachers to, to lodges. Uh, so it, it was sort of like being in the same school with the same people, only in a different area of the world. And that was sort of interesting. The principal moved and the counselor moved and uh, a lot of the teachers moved back in 1992 uh, from, from to, uh to the, to the Azores. Uh, after the Azores, we went to Guantanamo Bay. We were there for a couple of years, two and a half years. It was actually at a time when they reopened the base because they had closed it uh, for a period of time because they had so many uh, migrants from Haiti and also from Cuba itself. And so they had a joint task force down there to accommodate those migrants. But when the migrants were all sent to where they, where they went, uh, they reopened the school in 1996. Uh, and there really wasn't much going on in Guantanamo Bay. In fact, um, the school was small there. Um, the fishing was great. Um, and, and the beaches were great. 
and I learned about iguanas when I was there. Uh, but uh, my kids wanted to go back to a bigger high school. So we, had, we managed to get another uh, transfer back to Germany. And uh, my kids both graduated from Hanau High School. Uh, and one in, one in 2000 and one in 2002. Um, and then from there, I went to Bad Eibling uh, before it closed, which was a wonderful little base between, um, it was just south of, south of Munich. So it's between Munich and Salzburg. If you were to draw a line between Munich and Salzburg, Bad Eibling was sort of in the middle there uh, in southern, southern Bavaria. And then at the end, we ended up in Sembach was my last school. Um, and we were there till 2008. In 2008, we came back to the States. But to go back to ask me uh, what my assignments were, what my position was, I was hired as a school nurse, but I also had certification as a health teacher. So I would sometimes have a classroom assignment. And then being that I didn't have a, a regular classroom assignment, like in Hanau, I didn't have a regular classroom assignment there. So when both the principals were out, I was sometimes the, uh, the acting principal. Um, and, and an interesting episode that happened there was I actually had to expel a kid from school. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was the Friday before Christmas vacation. These kids went, out, went down to Nuremberg to the Christmas market. And this one young man, a middle schooler, did an impulsive thing. He bought a switchblade knife. Well, the switchblade knife was discovered on the bus. And then, of course, there's a no, there was a no tolerance rule for any kind of weapon. So I had, you know, the teachers brought this kid into me because I was the principal. And then I had to, you know, look up the regulation. I had to contact the parents. They were not happy. And I had to expel this, this young man from school. Uh, and then, of course, after that, a hearing was, was, uh, um, was held after, after the Christmas vacation about, you know, how he would be dealt with. Uh, one of the things I'm really proud of, though, in my last, in my last school, um, we had an after-school activity. This, uh, you can't see this, but it's the Sembach, Mar it's the Sembach Marathoners. <laughs> we had an after-school program. It was basically activity, and it was, became the most popular club at the school, and we got parents involved. It was sort of fun. Sembach was on a base where all of the housing was closed because it was not up to code. So there were no residents on that base. The only thing there was, I think the school was the largest activity. The USAFE band was there. And of course there was a headquarters building, a commissary, a small club, but basically there were no, no people living on the base. So it was like being at a camp and it was, it was in a wooded area. So we had lots of trails and stuff to discover and explore. So uh, we had the Sembach Marathoners and kids would get a t-shirt and the, uh, the activity involved uh, completing a marathon, but you didn't have to do it in one day. You could do it over a period of time. We kept track. They all had pedometers. They all kept track of their distances and then they got a certificate when they completed their marathon. I could go on and on, but I better stop unless anybody has any questions. Yeah, because you answered for the students. You you still have to talk when it comes to the teacher. So there you go. No worries. Thank you so much for sharing. That's <laughs> some great well, that stories. Was, that was pretty much it, but I, I can add a few things. Okay. I appreciate it. I just have a well, brief memory as oh, no, I have one more I have one more student ahead, story. I have one more student story and then I'm gonna stop. Okay. My oldest son, Nick, uh, who is not available today either because he's working. Uh, my father died in 1990, so we came back to the States from Torajon, and we were at my, uh, <clears throat> my brother's residence, and my old yearbook from my middle school, a civilian middle school, was laying around, so my son picked it up. Nick was nine years old at the time. He went through every page of that yearbook, and he said, Dad, there's something wrong with your yearbook. And I said, what would that be, Nick? 
this is a, and this was, this was, this just came from him. This was his assessment of my yearbook. He said, there are no, there are no black students or black people in your yearbook at all. And I said, you know, it was a different time, Nick. And I went, I lived in a different part of the world and I went to a different school than you went to. And there weren't any blacks in my school. And I thought that was interesting coming from a nine-year-old. That's so, because the, the Dodge, the Dodge school had a great impact on my kids as far as knowing the makeup of people in the world. And I thank Dodge for that. Yeah. Well, and thank the Dodge, you so much again. Yeah. And the Dodge schools were never segregated. They started off being totally integrated. So Shannon, you were about to say something about your memory. Yes, I, was, I just have a brief memory. I know we had a lot of, of great things to get to. It was from my time at Kubasaki, the best Dodea school in the Pacific from 2016. <laughs> Kubasaki High School. I was there. Uh, my first year on island was 2016, and that's whenever my Japanese one class, which pretty much means it's a bunch of people who don't know Japanese, got to visit a local Okinawan school. Um, I was very concerned about this. I was a little bit worried, obviously, because I was scared I wouldn't be able to communicate with the students. I didn't know what they would think of us, uh, the American students visiting. And uh, I know some of my peers also had similar concerns, but once we arrived at their school, it was just the most, the warmest embrace, honestly, just three to four stories of their concrete school building, all these smiling faces looking down and waving to us as we uh, enter their school. And throughout the day, I got to spend some time with a small group of students, go with them throughout their class schedule, get lunch with them. And throughout the entire time, we're just having some of the most genuine social interactions. Even though we can barely speak to each other, we're kind of just kind of like motioning, showing each other things on our phones, learning about each other, learning about each other's cultures. And it was just, it's really unbelievable just being a part of something like that. My biggest takeaway was just how much we had in common you know, on the surface level, you might not think we have too much in common. You have 30 American students coming off the Dodea school buses in NFL jerseys and graphic t-shirts as we enter these uh, Okinawan students' homes and they have their traditional uniforms on. But at the end of the day, we learned that we all have, we're all trying to keep our grades up. We're all trying to get into good schools, trying not to disappoint our parents and uh, do well in our sports and activities as well. So that's just that's just one of those opportunities that you get, and that's something that's special about Dodea and special to me, and something I'll cherish uh, forever. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, I attended K twelve in Carlsruhe, Germany, which is the best school. <laughs> it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> How can it be the best? Um. I was a Dodds brat, you know, and my memories are helping my parents, my mom, and, and other teachers in the classroom. And, you know, I was, I was brought up in a close Dodds family. So every, you know, all the teachers were my parents and, you know, we were probably all their kids, you know. And um, I, I'm, I'm always amazed about how close the Dodds family is, and it still is. And, but if you had asked me if I was going to ever be a teacher, I would have said, no way, I was never going to be a teacher. And then after decades of, you know, secondhand on the job training, helping my mom and other teachers in the classroom, one day I found out that I was actually a pretty good teacher. And so I became a teacher. And so I wanted to know um, how many of you, and I, Tom has already said, but how many of you um, became teachers after a Dodds experience? So, so Carol and me, um, and, and Tom, your son, if he had been here, would have raised his yeah, hand. He would have raised his hand. Yeah, he had, he had good experiences in the schools. And uh, 
He ended up working at a daycare, uh, uh, an after school, pre uh, before school and after school program that the Air Force ran. Mm -hmm. And I, he worked, he interacted with a lot of kids and they have ongoing continuing ed. He had, he had ongoing continuing ed. He really got interested in education, I think, through that process too, working with kids mm -hmm. affiliated with military members. Yeah. So, so Betty, um, tell, tell us a little bit about your career. Um, what did, how was, how, well, actually, let's go to Carol, because you were inspired by a Dobbs teacher, so, um, and you became a teacher. So tell us a little bit about your teaching career and who inspired you. And then we'll get to Betty. Oh, I think I already mentioned that. Um, yeah, but... With my teachers in high school um, and my seventh and eighth grade teachers, Tom Gallagher and Robert Patillo, they were just very inspiring and they showed me the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we, we are, it's, it's very clear and obvious that we're born to be teachers, <clears throat> and sometimes it takes a little bit of nudging. So, so Betty, tell us a little bit about your, um, your teaching career. Well, for these people that are here who uh, are not part of our Dodds New Mexico group, I want to quickly tell you that in 2019, when there was a Dodds reunion in Albuquerque, we, those of us who, are, who live in New Mexico from all over the state, who were formerly Dodds teachers, got together and we formed a little kind of social group to get together and enjoy each other's stories and so forth. And of course, then COVID came in. So we've gotten together exactly twice. So we hope that once and if things ever get back to normal, that we'll be able to meet again. But Tom and, um, and Carol and Oli and Cersei are part of that group with, along with me. And there are actually about 25 of us throughout the state of New Mexico. And John so, Lee Bomberg. John Elise Bomberg is part of that group too, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jenna uh, lives in Minnesota half the year and comes down here half the year. So, uh, and anyway, no, I always wanted to travel. And part of the, the uh, uh, reason that that was true was because my mom was from Czechoslovakia, as were all my grandparents. And I was always intrigued by the fact that they came from Europe. And so I wanted to travel. But being quite poor and growing up on a farm in Arkansas and not seeing any hope of doing that, I thought, well, that's just kind of a pipe dream. But my sister ended up marrying a career Air Force guy. And so my brother-in-law started talking to me the day I said, I want to be a teacher, which was in the ninth grade. My brother-in-law said, you need to go overseas and you need to teach the military kids. He said, I see these teachers over there. They have a great life. They like what they're doing. And so, of course, ninth grade was a little young for me to consider that. But then he mentioned it again in 10th grade and in 11th grade until I finally had four years of teaching experience and I was able to actually go to Dodds. That was in 1972. And um, I uh, was so excited, except one thing kept nagging at me. Uh, because after I applied and Dodds mentioned Germany to me, I went to the library and checked out books and all I saw were bombed out buildings and gray skies. And I'm going, what in the world am I doing? Okay. 
But I did get on the plane and kept wondering, am I crazy for doing this? I don't know anybody over there. I don't speak the language. This is nuts, you know, that I'm actually doing this. But I got there and got off that plane and uh, the counselor from Monheim High School came and picked me up. And the, on the way back, of course, I saw the beautiful mountains and the greenery in Germany and the gorgeous flowers and all the geraniums hanging out of the, out of the boxes on the sides of the houses and whatever. And it was just wonderful. So I made up my mind that I was going to uh, get into the culture of Germany. So I uh, was directed by the tourist organization in this little town called Weinheim, which is just up the road from Käfertal, which is like a suburb of Mannheim, where the high school was. And uh, they told me that these two ladies had rooms upstairs in their house that they normally only rented in the summer, but they thought that those ladies might be interested in renting rooms to me. So I did end up going and talking with them. And they spoke not a word of English. So when I say talking, take that loosely. One of the ladies had a son who spoke perfect English and still speaks pretty good English. And we still keep in touch with each other like 50 years later. And he is like the brother that I never had. So that was my first 10 years of experience in Monheim. I taught math. I set up the library at Monheim Middle School when that school was built. I ended up going to Heidelberg and teaching for a couple of years. And so I spent those 10 years. And then I decided that I wanted to come back to the States uh, while my parents were, um, because my parents, I should say, were getting old. They were probably like going on 60 at that point, right? <laughs> and uh, I, um, you know, so we came back and uh, ended up settling in New Mexico. My ex-husband and my son and I settled in Albuquerque. And uh, then, but I never forgot Germany and I wanted to go back so badly. So we stayed here for seven years, which was about six years too long in my mind. And then I reapplied for Dodds and ended up in Sigonella, Sicily for three years but I never forgot Germany and I wanted so badly to go back. And so in 1993, uh, I went in the middle of the school year to become the children's librarian at Hohenfels Elementary School down in Bavaria. And um, then uh, all kinds of stuff happened. You know, Regens, I was doing Regensburg and Hohenfels and Regensburg school closed and I moved libraries and packed them up and sent them other places and you did all kinds of stuff, opened them, closed them, packed them, moved them. And uh, then the high school was established. And so I became K through 12 Then the high school moved down the road. So I was back to being the elementary librarian and um, everything. I mean, I just love the German lifestyle. I had German doctors and people who fixed my car and dentists and hairstylists and people at the gas station and people at the grocery store. I loved interacting with the Germans. And after 15 years of being retired, living here in Los Lunas, I still want to go back and I would do it in a heartbeat and have the most wonderful memories of teaching for that school system. And I just want to say happy 75th anniversary to all of you who are part of that life that I loved so very, very much for 27 years. Well, and, and, you know, you alluded to the family, you know, that the, 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 it is a small Dodds family and you seek each other out in different uh, venues. So, Frank, um, I know you were communications chief and you were a teacher and you held other jobs for Dodds and, and now Dodia. 
Um, between my dad and you, you guys have covered public affairs for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. Um, when you think back to your first year in the school system, did you ever think you'd make it a multiple career, a multiple decade career? And um, what was your first job with Dodds and why did you stay so long? Sure. Um, my first assignment was in 1981 in uh, Vilflecken. And John, I think, had mentioned that earlier as an assignment that he had uh, been at as well. Yeah. And Bill Flecken was a, a small uh, army training area, a busy place, small army training area, about 13 clicks from the East uh, German border up in the Fulda Gap. And it was an absolutely beautiful location. And I, um, when I came, I came on a leave of absence from my school district in New Hampshire, thinking I'd be there for two years and then return back to, uh, to my teaching job. But uh, I absolutely fell in love with uh, yeah, I had not uh, been, uh, I had not had the opportunity to serve in the military myself, um, but uh, I ended up spending 39 years uh, serving military families uh, over the time. I loved the mission. You could see the impact that teachers had uh, on military families. And so I, I love that. Two years became four. My school district back in the state said, hey, you've got to make a decision to come back or to resign, and so I, my wife and I took the jump, and we just decided to stay. And uh, we had a daughter in uh, in Germany. Uh, we uh, moved to Italy for many years, and then back to Germany again. And uh, and then I had the great fortune of coming here. But thirty nine years uh, altogether, and it's been an absolutely wonderful adventure. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, we mentioned the students, we mentioned the, the teachers, and I think another very important part, as we all know, is the parents of Dodea families. And Mr. Brady, I know we talked previously in our previous conversation about the importance of Dodea parents. I just want to know if you could explain a little bit more about the importance of the connection between home and school. Well, thank you, Shannon. Uh, and uh, by the way, the, the great, great stories that we've heard so far uh, by, by students and uh, teachers and student the uh, the family aspect of the uh, dodia and part of that family parents of course and we do everything we can to make sure the parents are informed uh that they are part of um the the school life uh, i know our teachers are on the on the line now um <laughs> as they go around the commissary and the px uh, every aisle becomes a parents uh, teacher conference um <laughs> it's just absolutely incredible uh but we we've automated quite a bit of that and now we have portals where uh, parents can see uh, not only uh, what assignments are due what assignments were done and what uh, and what attendance our student their students are making but i think critically in the last, for during COVID, for the last year and a half, when we had to go virtual um, and remote, um, we had students at home uh, and teachers, which is remarkably difficult, trying to teach 20 to 24 students on online. Uh, parents had to be involved, and uh, and they they rose to the, to the challenge. And uh, as you can see from, or as will be announced, our annual um, summative assessments show that we've uh, remained uh, steady, if not improved. And we wouldn't have done that without direct parent involvement. So that's just a practical example of how important it is. And, and our, our military uh, and civilian um, parents um, are welcomed in schools. And I think that they have great communication with our teachers. Thank you. So 
Thank you. And I, I, I echo that. I know that when I was a teacher for dogs, uh, the parents were totally involved. You know, we had so many classroom, mm -hmm. help, you know, so much classroom help and volunteers. So Sue Pearson is a Navy brat and she's an Air Force brat to her dad cross-trained. Um, and you're an Air Force wife, Sue, and your son went to Dodds. Um, did you attend Dodds schools as well? Yes, I did. I attended uh, Randolph High School at Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas for actually three and a half years because part of my high school, I was in uh, Selfridge Air Force Base uh -huh. in Bossier City, Louisiana. I believe, though, I was not in a Dodd system at that time. But when left, I was in Randolph High School the last three and a half years. And from what, from what I remember, it was really hard for me because when my friends left, they would leave. Mm -hmm. the and sometimes you would hear from them and sometimes you would lose contact with them. But I did enjoy the Dodd system because I feel the education was at the higher level than the public schools at that time. Mm -hmm. And military high school was very strict. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, and so you can remember, I don't remember a whole lot because it was several <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so, but when you, you know, I graduated for, with 70 seniors only, 70 in the military school. Wow. Um, so, thinking back to your son's education then with Dodds, because, you know, you alluded to, you know, it, it was a strict school, it was a good school, smaller school. Um, what memories do you have um, of your son's education? Okay, well, the, we, we arrived in Kaiserslaut in Germany. We were stationed at Simbach Air Force Base for three years. And then we transferred over to Ramstein Air Force Base, I mean, in Germany. And my son actually attended a, a preschool and a Montessori school on the German economy before he was able to go to elementary school. Mm -hmm. Attended Vogelway Elementary School since we lived in Vogelway Housing. And he attended their first, second, and third grade. When he first arrived at the elementary school, it was difficult for him because he didn't want to leave the monastery school since it was a German school and he had a lot of German friends. Mm -hmm. so he was learning the German language. I don't know how much he still remembers, but I know uh, his, he had a favorite German teacher. I think her name was Mrs. Walsh, something like that. I can't remember her name, but I do know when he went to first grade, he didn't like it at first. He cried and wanted to come home the first few days, but then he got adjusted. He also played on the soccer team in the elementary school. They had a little German soccer team on the outside. He played with also students from Bogaway Elementary School. Mm -hmm. And I do know when we came back to the United States, he also attended Williams Air Force Base, Arizona Dodd System for fourth grade. And I do remember that they were going to put place him in fifth grade instead of fourth grade because he was so so far ahead, uh, you know, when he came back to the United States. Yeah. And of course, uh, I believe the Dodd system to me, the, the, they're way above the norm than the public schools here in the United States. And when he took his test, they wanted, like I said, for him to skip school. But it was the hardest part for him coming back from Germany was he cried on the airplane all the way home because mm -hmm. he didn't uh, he didn't want to leave his friends and what right. he missed the most is his soccer team he missed the field trips going on the boats march mm -hmm. he also missed seeing the Frankenstein castle Einstein castle mm -hmm. and all 
German friends, because he even would go over and sleep over at his German friends' homes. Yeah, that dual relationship with the host nation. Awesome. Yes. And you have a- he still misses it. And we would, I miss the German culture. I miss the German food and the German, I just miss it a lot. I would like to go back over and live there permanently. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, do you have a, do you have a, did your parents say anything? About yes, I did ask my parents who are Dodea parents, uh, how they felt about my Dodea education. And I also went to quite a few public schools. So they said the most shocking, not shocking difference. The biggest difference was just in the Dodea teachers. They noticed that their commitment to their students was much deeper. They cared more about their success. Yes. And I just think I could not agree more. As soon as I said that, I'm like, absolutely. Um, they became more than teachers. They were mentors. They're always available outside of the classroom for extra help. A lot of them were also coaches and uh, were in charge of other clubs and organizations. And there's just, there's just less students. So I think it's a much closer bond. And I'm thankful for so many of my Dodea teachers. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So my, my mom and dad worked for the overseas schools from the 50s right through the late 80s. And we've done several programs on their career, so we don't need to go into my dad's career. But I did want to ask my dad um, one question about how did Dodds, you know, we're celebrating the 75th now. Um, how did Dodds celebrate its 25th and, and 50th? I guess, Frank, you'll answer the 50th. But dad, what about the 25th? How did Dodds celebrate back then? I'll address that, Cersei, but before I do, I want to react to something Sue said about her son being put in a different grade, moved up a grade, going back to, uh, back to the States. And the 25-year anniversary is relevant to that because it was in the mid-70s, the parents were still very concerned, a very common question, how will my child fit when we go back to America? Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided somewhere in the mid-70s to do a survey and asked every family leaving during the school year to complete this survey and send it back to us to help us understand what happened to them when they checked into their new school district. We got back, I don't remember the exact number, but it was between three and 4,000 replies. Mm -hmm. And out of those replies, only six of them indicated that there had been a difference in the placement of their child in school. Two kids had actually been set back, two kids had been advanced, and two other kids had gone into special education programs that did not have a grade level attached to it. So that was one way we found that there really weren't many serious problems of children returning back to the States. But the 25th anniversary was uh, one of the big milestones, of course, in the dependent school history, and a rather sensitive one. I don't see many of you there who would remember President Truman's great speeches at the end of the war that we would keep our troops overseas for the duration. None of us knew what the duration was. I don't know if President Truman knew what the duration would be, but I don't think anyone when he made that speech thought there would be American forces in Europe still 25 years later. Um, so we were also very sensitive to the idea that there were a number of people in Congress who thought maybe these troops should come home. We don't need them over there. And we didn't want to call too much attention to us because there was some feeling that, well, you know, our school systems in the states are poor, needy. Uh, why do we need to support the school system overseas? 
But at the same time, we wanted to call attention to a rather remarkable achievement in the school system that really needed some support. So um, one example, I remember having a conversation with then Congressman Gerald Ford from Michigan, who actually said to me, why should I appropriate money to your schools in Europe when my schools in Michigan are going broke? And that was a prevailing attitude. So 25 years, celebrate. 25 years, call attention to it. So we did a little of both. And we were also sensitive that we were no longer a conquering nation. We were a partner nation. And we didn't want to make it look like an emperor had taken over Germany and we're celebrating. So a lot of considerations to go into that. On a personal basis, I realized that we had no real history, no track record of what had happened to the school system. So I decided I would create one. And with my work with the press and the media and the historic, military historical departments, I began to research how it all got started. And that resulted in a book called Silver School Bells, which kind of tells the story of the school system up to those 25 years. But what did we actually do? Well, we prevailed on the commanding general of Europe at the time. You know, the, the schools in Europe were under the commander-in-chief for the Europe, uh, Army Europe. We arranged a banquet in the Heidelberg Officers Club to which we invited a delegation from each of our 200 plus schools to include an educator, a parent, and a military member to come to Heidelberg, have a banquet, listen to uh, a couple of high school choirs and some high school students and teachers and listen to some great congratulatory speeches and we had one big formal celebration in Heidelberg. Out of that banquet, we produced a little pamphlet called 25 Years that we distributed throughout the school system and recognized that we had been a school system longer than the lives of many of the soldiers on both sides who had lived. So that's, uh, that kind of sums up what we did for the 25th anniversary. For the 50th, well, Frank, I had retired. I was learning how to retire when we had 50th anniversary. I called a few friends and we hoisted a couple of glasses of German wine. <laughs> but uh, I can't speak to what went on in Europe or Japan or anywhere else in Dodia for the 50th. So Frank, help me out there. And, you know, Oli, I was in the I was in the field too when we hit the 50th. So um, I uh, I I know that um, you know there were uh, a, a great deal of um, you know, celebrations and stories that came out the same with the 60th and the 70th. But um, I think nothing compared to what you guys did for the 25th and what we're going to do for the 75th. Um, I was I, I was a teacher in, um, or I had just become an assistant principal in 1986 when we celebrated the 40th. And up in the Eiffel, I was at Pittsburgh uh, Elementary School. And in the Eiffel, uh, we had a huge celebration uh, and a big gala event where we had military and civilian families that came together um, to celebrate our history. And uh, Oli, you were the guest speaker. You were the, the, uh, the keynote speaker at that particular event. Um, I think this year in the 75th, we're, we're gonna, first of all, you know, discover the past for so many of our employees today and our families today, they don't know what happened back in 86. They weren't around for the 25th, the, even the 50th or the 60th, the 60th or the 70th. So we're gonna look back and, and discover um, some of the things that made our system uh, what it is today. And then um, and when we look today at, at you know, what, what, we are, what we are as a school system and the successes that we have, 
you can't you can't do it without looking at the incredible people that we've had from 46 to the current day who have brought incredible talents um, to bear on the system and have um, and the kids have been the beneficiaries of that. So we're going to we're going to celebrate people as well. And then we're also um, we're also going to look to the future because every day that we have successes uh, in the current organization um, that we have, we're really starting to build uh, for the future. Back in 46, nobody knew what the future was going to be. You know, as Oli had said before, nobody had an idea that we were going to stick around for as long as we did. But each year, the system has gotten stronger and better. And we've delivered on the mission. We've assisted with, um, contributed rather to the readiness of the force. And, uh, and over those 75 years, 50 mil 15 million students have passed through our doors. That's an incredible, um, incredible achievement. And so um, that's what we'll look for for the 75th. And we've launched, uh, as a matter of fact, we launched it today. We launched a website. When, on Thursday of this week, we'll come out with a press release. We have video, we have history. And so we invite you all to, uh, to go to that site and take a look. And um, Are you finding any press interest in the anniversary, Frank? Uh, well, we, we, we haven't, we put the embargo release out, so we haven't gotten any bites yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we will this week, okay? Well, it's, it's interesting how you, you're looking at the past and wanting to tell the stories of the past of Lydia's, you know, early years. And so this is time to talk about the museum's anthology, which is schooling with Uncle Sam, where we wanted to start collecting these stories before it was too late from some of the teachers. Um, since my father had written the historical accounts for the 25th and the 40th anniversaries, we thought you were probably pretty qualified to do the book for the 75th. So can you very briefly, we've got time constraints, um, tell the, our viewers about the project. We started the idea by building it around our exhibit in the museum where we have a schooling gallery with information panels that tell the facts of how the school system evolved, how it got established and how it developed, along with some very interesting and often inspiring quotes from teachers who sent comments to us about their experiences. But as the concept grew about a book to commemorate the 75th, we thought, we don't want to do just facts. You know, we have the facts about the early buildings, the early classrooms, the host nation programs. We wanted to give people the opportunity to experience the life of, of uh, students and teachers in Dodds. And so Cersei, through her social media contacts and with Frank's help and a number of other organizations, put out the call for, tell us your stories, just like some of you have been doing today. Send us some of your memorable experiences. Tell us what it was like to buy a car in Japan, to uh, rent an apartment in Italy, to you know whatever it was that, that gave you a special feeling about being away. What inspired you in your classes? What's it like to work for a military community? And we, uh, we began to get responses. We had 58 authors send us stories. Uh, we picked up a lot of the comments we have in our exhibit at the museum and put it together in the book, which uh, I have to say got released a few days before we were expecting it to be released. But we were going to have a big splash on October 14th, including bringing all of you to Albuquerque. And of course the pandemic played games with that and with our planning that sort of thing. But the book is out, 
Some of you have it. Some of you have stories in it. And the idea was to, this is the Dodia experience and all the predecessor school systems that came before it. Um, we tell a little bit about what it was like to get it started. And we tell about how we had to create tables of allowance to get make the school system fit into the military distribution system. But that's really what was behind it, the Dodia experience. What's it like? What does it mean? Told by the people who lived it and who grew up in it. So it's available from Amazon. Right. <laughs> and oh, somebody asked, why do you call, why do you charge $19.46? Well, what year did the school system start? 1946. There you go. In, in, in Germany. So, you are. so my dad wrote a lot of the history. Um, and then, of course, Dodia's website has a huge, beautiful timeline. So we encourage all our viewers to go check out the Dodia uh, website with timelines. And, of course, the 75th anniversary uh, web pages that will have all sorts of cool stuff on it. So, Shannon, you wrote a book, a story in the book. Yeah. Yes, it is, is available on page 283. Oh, wow. Still have that coffee cup? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Teddy has a story in there too, right? Uh, page 209 is where mine is. <laughs> so um, we have a couple of stories too. Um, I just wanted to thank all the people who submitted stories for the book and comments all the way back to the 200, the 2015 exhibit. Um, between us and all these websites that are coming up for the anniversary, we are really documenting an amazing history about an impressive school system. So um, very quickly before we wrap it up, Shannon, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? Yes, I wanted to ask Mr. Brady if he had any predictions for the next 75 years of Dodea. It's a long way down the road, but... Well, thank you, Shannon. I appreciate it. Um, have to look ba uh, backwards before we look forwards. And, and I want to just thank everyone uh, for their great work in, in capturing. Uh, Oli did a wonderful job with uh, the history of a great organization and all that participated today and all the great stories that are there. But 75 years from now, wouldn't it be nice if we were in a position where we had to tell the next generation that once upon a time that we put soldiers, sailors, Marines around the world to defend freedom, but now the world's at peace and we don't need to worry about that. Um, and that would be my ideal. Um, unfortunately, I have to live in the real world and that probably won't happen. Um, but there will, as long as there are service members stationed somewhere, um, and their children need schools, and they need excellent schools, Dodi will be there. Um, we ju I just opened, uh, in the last month and a half, uh, dedicated five new schools in Germany, uh, one new school in Guantanamo, which, uh, you're correct, it's one, uh, 1931, it's the longest and oldest school. Um, but that's $4 billion that we've had new schools uh, around the world in the last 10 years. So the school buildings will be there. Uh, there are multi-million dollar 21st century, but, but those are buildings. What's happening inside are great teachers, dedicated teachers, dedicated administrators, and wonderful parents and students and partnering with military uh, commanders. And I don't see that changing. And I think the story will continue, but only get better. Um, and so I thank you for the opportunity to participate. And I thank everybody who's doing all this in terms of the history of uh, a great organization. We are. 
Penn State? There we go. (laughs) I was expecting you to say something like, oh, we'll have a school on Mars. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you never know. Wherever someone needs a school, wherever we have the armed forces, we will have a school. It may be Mars. Or it may be Poland, or it may be Singapore. Who knows where it's going to be? But when it does, we'll be there. Well, it's very exciting. Shannon, you're the youngest. You're going to be looking along beyond all of us. You're going to have to kind of track this history and, and see where they end up in 75. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll make sure that we'll have a school on Mars. I'll take care of that. <laughs> yeah, well, you're the you're the engineer, so you're going to build the school. Who on. knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to. I see Shannon has to wrap it up. He's being booted Sorry. up a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to have to wrap it up. He's in college right now. Um, I wanted to thank all of you for joining us today to uh, talk about your experience with Dodi. I wish we had more time to sit and have a drink and do more stories but um you know so many great stories so many common experiences and so many unique experiences and i just wanted to thank everybody for coming on and sharing a few with us um shannon is uh, i was going to say that you know we are products of dodia shannon and i and art and sue and um we went on to start some of our own endeavors of course the museum which is my near and dear and shannon has his own podcast very quickly give us yes. your, i know you need to get out of it. it's the best military kids podcast on the internet go check it out the shannon show <laughs> so, so a warm thanks to all of our guests today um and especially for mr brady for joining us on a holiday federal holiday and that was an amazing uh, good hour Shannon? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone who joined today. Heard some great stories. I'm so glad to be a part of this history and, you know, co-host this with all of you. Our pleasure. Oh, I want you. to say the last word. Knights rule. Oh, go, Dragons. Come on. <laughs> 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 <laughs>